This is another episode of That Record Got Me High. I'm your host, Rob Elba. It's wonderful having you all with me, as usual. This is this is awesome, because I am in L.A., of course. Uh, one of my guests is in Miami, and one of my guests is in Texas. Texas. Where, where, where are you in uh, Texas, Nick? Just outside of Austin, in a little town called Hutto. Yeah, and, uh, but, but you were in uh, Mexico, so you just got back I just Mexico? got back. Last night. Yeah, which definitely ties into what we're talking about. So, yeah, it, it, it's yeah. awesome. We're all over the place, but through the magic of, of Zoom, we're all here. All right, so I'd like to welcome, I have two guests today. Uh, we got singer-songwriter Nick Mencia, a.k.a. Nick County, and I got my good friend Danny Gonzalez of the Jacuzzi Boys. Welcome, guys. Thank, Thank you, you for having us. Having us. A- a.k.a. Danny Kokomo. Gotta get his that's right. Danny Kokomo, AKA. that's right. Danny Gonzalez, AKA. AKA Danny AKA. <laughs> All right, so before we get into anything else, I want to, before we get into the record, I'm just curious, like, what's the deal with you guys? Because I, I know you, you guys are obviously friends, but are you guys doing anything musical together? I know you guys got together through music, but what's the deal with you guys? Well, years ago, I don't even know how many years ago this was. When was the Coco Rico album? Six years ago, something like that. Yeah, um, I played bass on a on on one of Nick's records, and then we were just recently we were kind of in talking, LA. In LA, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah we, nice. we recorded the record at a at our friends at our friends' uh, home studio. Who was here last week, by the way? David was here. Oh, okay. Stern man came through Texas. Yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah, I saw the pictures. And then just recently, we were kind of talking about doing some other stuff. Nick's been working on some songs and sort of like trying to get me in the mix to some degree, but we don't know. Like now he's out in Texas. I don't know when he'll be back or if it I just found out I got laid off. I'm going to get laid off in a couple of weeks. So I'll have free time. Awesome. I think Mike, <laughs> yeah, it's pretty, somebody said congratulations. I was like, thank you. Mm-hmm. But if you, if you want to roll, like I got a studio here in Round Rock, but you were going to hit up that dude for the creamery. We had a yeah. couple different ways of doing it, but yeah, there's tunes. There's nice. tunes. I was going to say D like, I feel like before we ever collaborated, I was a fan of the band. I think before we even met, like somebody told me about your band, and I don't think the second record was even out yet. So I was at the second release, which was bonkers. Sugar in my hair, melt 
dancing everywhere in the sunshine. Watch the sun go down while I'm my face starts to crystallize. You could be the one, you could be the one to make me feel alright. But I feel like when we first met was at that party it was like a double party I feel like for your brother maybe or Scott and Matt or something like a pool party the pool party thing. yeah the pool party and we just started we, I feel like our friendship was formed not on like the fact that we both play music but on some music appreciation shit where like you know when you meet somebody and you're kind of like kind of testing out their taste and yeah, all yeah. of a sudden you realize, well, I don't think I knew that you played music at that point you know no but I think like early on you had maybe gone on a booze cruise and I was supposed to I got an invitation to go like from a friend who had a free ticket through some label shit or whatever. Yeah. And you came back with a buddy who had some Zevon stories via his dad, which I looked up by the way, all that checks out. And we, and we, and I realized like we had a Zevon connection because we were talking oh, about yeah. okay. so the art. Do. And I this, was wondering that. this record wasn't like my first, uh, I could tell you the story really quickly, but, but we were bonding over like the way the album's laid out and his freakiness and just like his distinctiveness. And this was probably like 10 years ago now, but, as I get older, all of those kind of ingredients, just my appreciation for it grows, you know? So it was like, I hadn't really listened to this record in a while, but this, there's a couple, his music is always kind of percolating. Yeah, well, here's, so that's the other thing I was going to touch on is that you guys are young guys, you know, com uh, compared to me, you are young guys. And, but you were into, I mean, obviously you're into all different kinds of music, but you definitely have a real appreciation for the classic, you know, uh, classic Please. music, classic rock. There's a reason, you know, some albums are like in, you know, whatever Rolling Stones list of 500 records you must hear and things like that. There's a reason for that, you know, and right. you guys definitely have a appreciation for that. So that's probably also that kind of bond. You guys definitely have the same sensibility, I think, as far as something like that is. Danny's got some more range than I do. Like he knows more about different it's genres. Not, that's all right. That's fine. All right, but what, we didn't even mention it. What are we talking about? What's the what's the artist uh, record we're talking about? Uh, we're talking we're talking Zevon, Excitable Boy, Warren Zevon. There you go. Before both of your times, I would say this. <laughs> see, just yeah. The thing is, for me, I'm a fan. But even even if I wasn't a fan. This is like this. Uh, this album. This was his uh, third album, and it came out in 1978. I was uh, 14, uh, 15 years old. This album was on the radio. You know, this was a radio album. You know, it's funny when I'm revisiting it. I'm thinking, shit, this is like a greatest. This could almost be like a greatest hits album. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, I was gonna ask Rob since you kind of, you know, you were. You were live and I and into music, you know, old enough to be like into music and aware of stuff. Live and alive. <laughs> but were you were you into like punk stuff already and the weirder stuff? Like, was this cool to you when it came out, or were you kind of like, nah, this and this kind of blows? It's like for it, it was well honkies. <laughs> it was no, it was cool because it was still a little before I got into punk. So it was more like my sister. I have an older sister, four years older than me. So it was like my older sister's music, which was obviously a lot of great stuff. But and, and it was cool. But it, it was really all I knew. This was rock music. This was on rock radio, yeah, which yeah. I was getting into and I loved. So I loved it. A little bit like a year or two later, I started getting into Ramones and the Buzzcocks and the Damned and stuff. Well, you tried it just for once, find it all right for kicks. But now you find out that it's a habit that sticks and you're an orgasm addict. Then, you know, this became like, oh, the classic rock music. But I never did an 
about face on it. I never, I, I, I was never like that. I, I never like shut things off and said, oh, well, I can't listen. I don't like that now because I like this, you know. So that never happened to me. It, it never became uncool. And and like I said, it was just something that was that was always there. That was a part of me. And and it's only like now when you sit down and, and you actually dig into it, you realize what a fucking amazing songwriter he is and how unique he was in the fact that it, a lot of these songs are, are simple they're really simple they're right? punk songs you know what i mean like he's i was kind of curious you knowing a bit that you have like a punk background like i think they don't sound like punk songs but conceptually they are there's a lot of like this going on you know what i mean like like fuck yous like all, all over the place oh yeah and, like, yeah it has that kind of well, yeah, yeah the macabre you know like yeah the yeah. lyrics like maybe maybe you don't tune into that at a young age but like the lyrics are pretty dark to say the least you know yeah. you're like they're almost more punk than be, you know that could be misfits you know <laughs> And and uh, and also something I was thinking uh, the way you got you know you guys have like these group of, you guys are friends through music and you have this group of people and it's almost especially Nick I would say you it, it's something that was going on at that time like he had these were people I mean the reason he got to put do records was because what who discovered it's him um, ja- uh, I mean Jackson Brown Jackson Brown gets a lot of it and. He actually, it's his third record, but I think of it as his second. Cause like, he, he actually made music in the sixties with the folk band. Right. And then he made this record in the seven, like in 1970, that like bombs. It wasn't the queen of diamonds that I drew first. Instead I got the ace of spades But he was kind of this like he was famous he was kind of famous amongst these circles of famous people his, his fame was almost that he was talented but not famous right right so he, he rolls to like outside of barcelona and he's like chilling in an irish pub singing hank williams songs i think that's where he writes some of the like some of these songs is out there he comes back jackson brown gets him a recording deal and he brings him back to la and like i think he produces the first record i think he he co-produced this one, I think, with like Wadi and a couple other right, people. Right. Yeah. You know, but Jackson Brown was like this like guardian angel. I remember like I never like got into Jackson Brown so much, but then like through his love of Zevon, I, I feel like I gave his music another chance, and I'm like, oh, like I like this dude. You know, I like his songs. Dark my eyes have seen the You just felt that like when you read the stories it was just like pure love for no other reason other than like he thought this guy was talented and he wasn't getting his due and like basically brought him back out of obscurity you know and playing hank williams songs in an irish pub outside of barcelona <laughs> right yeah and then he has all these you know he has these friends these people on the scene and the, that come in the studio and record so you got all these great people like on the record singing and playing on the record yeah, Fleetwood Max rhythm section playing on werewolves oh I like, know which I never I'm, I'm gonna be totally honest I never knew that until just this I never week. knew that I never knew that either so we're in it together oh, awesome. no. okay <laughs> and then they get like deeper in his career it's like bigger names show up all of a sudden now it's like Tom Petty's on the record and like Bruce Springsteen. Right, 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 right. Yeah, because fans, like you said, these are all fans of him. That, yeah, uh, David Letterman's on the record. Appreciate him. Know? Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah, David Letterman, huge, uh, one of the biggest uh, Warren Zevon fans. 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's fun to look at the liner notes oftentimes with like a solo artist because you get, I always think about, I think I started thinking about that with Zevon because you just be like, oh shit, Carl Wilson's on this tune? Like, it would just be random, you know, like Linda Ronsett's on like a lot of this stuff, you know? Yeah, well, she was, um, she was really, uh, she was also a big boost to him because she what? She sang like three of Carmelita. his songs from his first yeah. Yeah, you know, brought him. Obviously, uh, more people learned about him right. through that. And he never, you know, it, it's kind of a uh, his life. I wouldn't, uh, you know, it, well, it is kind of a tragic story because he he ended up dying young. But this was like his big breakout record. But he also didn't really capitalize it that much because then he had drinking problems, he had drug problems, and he sort of, you know, went <laughs> went. This uh, is his I, most cohesive record. I think for a lot of people, it would be their least cohesive. And you can talk about like this, how it's synced and like how it's, you know, how it's laid out and it's, it's kind of all over the place. And yet it's a pretty short song, album too. Short. Oh, it is. Which is great. Yeah. Which, which I love. Which also, which also, which also kind of like leans into the, the punkness of it. You know, it's almost like, yeah, our, yeah, yeah, you, know, yeah. our most, you know, are like, it's less than 30 minutes and they, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, in play. and out. Yeah. Some great songs, yeah. uh, all killer, no filler, which I'm a real fan of. And uh, yeah, I, I appreciate that. And it's funny. I just, I was wondering because the way I said, oh man, it's like a greatest hits. He has a, uh, there's a, like a, a best of Warren Zevon album or something. I'm sure there's more than one now, but there's one and there's nine songs in this album. Six of these nine songs are on the greatest hits thing. <laughs> I bet nighttime, I think yeah, nighttime is, it, th this is so funny to me, but nighttime at, at the switching yard was a single for this record. Oh, I know, which I was shocked when I saw I that. Say, I'm like, if there really? is, is a, there's a little bit of filler on this record that would be the one for me exactly but. i uh, <laughs> and it was agree. a single on some zevon shit but they probably know? thought maybe they were going to capitalize on a disco you know on disco, oh, like <laughs> yeah. what, disco what do you song. follow up werewolves with like all the songs on that record like oh what about nighttime and the switching yard? yeah you know it's funny that that sounds so much like a shakedown Dude. street um, oh, Doobie Brothers. It's just like some oh, like Shakedown Street. Yeah, that's good. That's the good. riff yeah. is like almost exactly like the Shakedown Street riff. And it, it came out before Shakedown Street. And I was just like, I don't know. I wondered if like that's just a coincidence or if like the dead were like, man, that's that's a killer riff. We can kind of like, you know, like that. <laughs> that's interesting. I, I didn't even realize it came out before. It must have been just before, too, because what's Shakedown, like 79 or 80? Yeah, or? I think it's like the year before or something, you know. Oh, wow, it actually nice. might have been the same. It might have been the same year. I think like. I think this came out early in the year. And this came out January. Out. Yeah. So you probably, yeah. This yeah. Maybe they got, a they got a demo or something and they're like, yo, take maybe, a or just, or maybe it's just like, you know, it was in the air, you know, in the know. air. It sounded like the Doobie brothers to me. That was like the, vibe. and like, it's just like a train song, but I'm like, I'm like, what is this song? It's, it doesn't have like some of the other things that the, so the other songs do. Oh yeah. It's definitely a little bit of an outlier. Uh, all right. Yeah. So before we get in, uh, before we start listening to the songs, I'm just curious, like you guys, like I said, younger guys. So when did, did you guys, when were you exposed to this album and when did you start, you know, listening to it? Um, I don't know when I was exposed to this album. I mean, it must've been hearing werewolves or something. I just kind of right. knowing that cover, but I think I was exposed Back to the punk stuff. I think I was exposed to Zevon through Gigi Allen. Like, <laughs> exposed, <laughs> exposed. Yeah, but oh, yeah, Carmelita. yeah, Carmelita in the hated in the hated uh, documentary that Gigi Allen thing. He 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 plays a cover of Carmelita just on acoustic guitar.
such a and it was always such a nice song to me. And I was always like, man, it's so weird. G.J. Allen would sing this, and then like either someone told me or I read it somewhere. And it's like, oh, it's a Warren Zevon song, and I'm like, who the fuck is Warren Zevon? You know? Oh, and I was nice. like, oh, okay, I get it. He, he sounds cool, right? Like if you just yeah. hear his name, you're Look like, who's that? G.J. <laughs> Allen turned into <laughs> just bringing people together, you know, yeah. expose, providing exposure. <laughs> yeah, but that, I think that was the first time. That was kind of like when I learned about Zevon. Nice. How about you, Nick? Yeah. I, I just feel like this record would be like the perfect introduction, you know, but it wasn't for me. Like I was working in the radio station of my school, uh, my college. And, you know, we get like these pressers and I like a lot of them would just end up in this like room and you could kind of go through that room and just like kind of look through all the CDs. And I saw the name Warren Zevon and the name of the record was Life Will Kill Ya. This came out in like 2000. And there was a button attached to the CD that just said, my shit's fucked up. Well, I went to the doctor. I said, I'm feeling kind of rough. Let me break it to you, son. Your shit's fucked up. Which is one of his songs. I remember at the time, like, I was wearing this, like, pink blazer a lot, like a corduroy pink blazer. So I just put this, like, very austere, like, black button that says, my shit's fucked up, like, on the pink blazer. And it just balanced out the blazer so nicely. And also I wore it for like, I got, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, I got, I got really into that record. I love that record. I feel like D, like one of the first times we were hanging out in Maluski's old place, I played like, I was in the house when the house burned down on acoustic guitar or something, but I love that record. And then I got into this stuff, but okay. you know, yeah, like, you a lot backwards. of people, the first time you hear werewolves, you're like, Oh, I've heard this before because the first time you hear it is not the first time that you're like actively hearing it. Or of something. course, of course. Yeah. I was playing it this morning, making breakfast for my friend. I have two friends I'm staying with and uh, the husband's that goes to work. The wife works from home. So I was cooking breakfast for us, me and Emily. And I put on werewolves and she's like, she's like, is this Steppenwolf? Like before it got to the chorus. Right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah close. close. I was like, they might have covered it. They might have covered uh, it. That'd be pretty cool. Is. Steppenwolf doing werewolves, you know, but. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like even if you have a different story, it's it was probably werewolves because it could have been on when you were like, for me and Danny at least, like we were, we could have been like in the womb and that shit was playing on the radio. You know what confused me about that song that it's in it's in the color of money, and a great scene Scorsese. Yes, um, that's right, that's right. But but I always think of American Werewolf in London, so it always confused me. I'm like, wait, is it color of money? Like this seems like it should be in American Werewolf in London. I don't know. It seems like it's. I mean, yeah. it's just it's just a confounding tune in a lot of ways. And it's funny that his most popular and pop friendly song is like still very confounding. Yeah, 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 yeah. Sure. Well, the whole the whole album is <laughs> really when you think about it, because it's and, and also, you know, when I listen to this, I also get a little as I do because I'm, I'm older and older people get sad and they uh, lament that things are different now. I feel like an album like this wouldn't be a hit record uh, today because. Oh, no, yeah, I was thinking I was no. kind of. Yeah, with those lyrics, I mean, I don't even know if there's anyone it on the charts that are writing that's writing anything even close to that. Like, right, I was thinking right, you right, have to right. take the lyrics off. I think it's can I think it's very cancelable. Um, but and we don't <laughs> yep. we don't have to get into that. But I really do think so. But Kid Rock had a hit. You remember he had all summer long a few years back. Oh he took, Jesus Christ! He just used the piano. The dun 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 dun. Well, I mean, that's a I hit. I mean, that's... Home, Alabama, and he he, he emerged. Sweet Home Alabama with werewolves. <laughs> and it was just like, oh, summer long. You know? <laughs> right. And that was a hit. That was it. Yeah, yeah. Well, that, uh, yeah, you that's take it. Lyrics, so. though. That's the first thing you got to do. If you want to make werewolves a hit nowadays, you got to. There you go. Well, yeah, he's, he's kind of a dick, but I guess you can't, uh, you can't say he's, he's, he isn't smart. 
He's uh, a dick. That was a hit. Yeah. Um, all right. So let's get into the record. The first song I've read. It's funny. I read other things, but to me, it's always kind of obvious that Johnny strikes up the band that he's talking about Johnny Carson, but we'll, we'll, we'll talk about it, but let's, uh, let's listen to the opening track. Johnny strikes up the band. Dry your eyes, my little friend. Let me take you by the hand. Ready, get ready. Rock steady when Johnny strikes up the band. They'll be rocking in the project. Walking down along the stern. Ready, get ready. Rock steady when Johnny strikes up the band. Johnny strikes. When Johnny strikes up the wind, Johnny strikes up the wind, Johnny strikes up the band. Oh, man, well, before we say anything else, can we just talk about that uh, guitar? I'm, I'm assuming that's uh, Waddy Watchdell, but man, uh, that guitar tone and that, that lead is just uh, fucking killer. No, I, I didn't know he was connected to this album either. And is this around the expensive winos time? That's my only sort of like... Uh, it just seems like he was everywhere for a while. Oh, yeah, okay. Him. Yeah, yeah, right. You would see his name, right, all, all, all over the place. It's probably him. I think he got a co-write on a couple of these. He did. He did for sure, and he yeah, like you said, he uh, co-produced it pretty much. With, uh, yeah, I have some thoughts, but with Danny, what, what's your like? I forgot how like nice this intro is, but what yeah, what what what's what's your like take on on this one? I mean, I think it's natural to think of Johnny Carson, but then I was also reading how it's, it can be like drug reference, yeah, and it's like in that change that like that, that I don't know, it's like a bridge, whatever you want to call that part where we like kind of faded on, but that's the one that feels very very druggy, like you know, he's like, your main like, man, he's my your man. Johnny is my main man, yeah. Yeah, he put your mind at ease and back by popular demand, all that. Yeah, no, I could totally see that. That's the same thing I read, Danny, and I thought, but yeah, you know, and and obviously someone as clever as him, as smart as him, he could be, you know, he could be putting it both in there. But yeah, the thing with Johnny, I don't know, you you guys are are young, so do you guys have any? I mean, you obviously know who Johnny Carson is, but He's do you have any man. cultural connection man. to him at all? He was on TV when I was a little kid. I don't know. About yeah, yeah, yeah. Kid. I remember him on TV. <laughs> because or, me like to someone uh, a little older like to me johnny uh, it was the thing like even when you're older like i was older but you know my parents i could i stayed up late and i would watch uh, saturday night live and i would stay up late and watch it and johnny in, in a way uh, to me and it's probably just i'm interpreting it that he's talking about a time you know, before like simpler, he's getting kind of sentimental, simpler times because Johnny was was very comforting to everyone. Like you knew, like things got very cynical, got more cynical with David Letterman, which I love. Don't get me wrong. I love David Letterman, love all that. But it sort of changed, uh, you know, it changed to where it was much um you know, it, it, Johnny Carson was like this uh, comforting, uh, like your uncle, like uh, like a cool uncle that, you know, you, you'd have. Would he like smoke on the late night? Huh? I picture. Did he when he smoke or no? Oh, I don't know. I don't know if they were still smoking at that point, but he seemed like he he could be because. It- <laughs> I think I, I definitely like I I I love that like both you both brought up the two things because I like, 
I feel like at some point when I was listening to it, they were like warring with each other, like the the simpler time, the Johnny thing, like Johnny's good times, like Johnny makes you feel better, Johnny Carson. But then also like to me, it's like I think it's from like listening to Ween, which I would I would have taken a Ween song, a Ween album on this show, but I've <laughs> already had a couple people do oh, it. Oh, really? Really? But Ween would always like I always thought of their albums like this is their like acid record or this is their coke record like right zevon's a drug guy and like you know it's just kind of part of his like his essence and like yeah. for good and for bad and, and and he's also a great writer so it's like i i almost am like so confident in saying he knows he's doing both and they're almost like polar opposites I think so he's so, creating yeah. he's creating this tension between like things are not always one thing and also like you can you can sing a pop song about horrible things and you can have like a sardonic takeaway you could have like a subversive kind of more like take you know it's like you just don't like black and white my shit you know oh yeah no yeah, that's being, it being the right no i'm saying being the writer he is there's no way he's only writing about johnny carson you know <laughs> right, or, right. Or, no for uh, sure i mean for sure and and that's one thing i realized in, in in really digging into this album and his songwriting i realized man he was the king of saying a lot with a little bit of of lyrics there's not like a lot of lyrics on this album you know yeah. it's crazy his it's song he leaves so many things out and lets you fill in the the blanks with your own you know your own experiences and your own idea of what it is and that's like that's a sign of to me that's a really great writer i mean i also love writers like elvis costello and you know um a dylan that'll throw in a ton of shit and everything and that's fine too but someone like this that is so you know he just throws in these little stingers and it's like very and he leaves you know it just sounds like oh man what what is he talking about there you know and leaves it yeah. to your interpretation that's just great he loved noir and i think like noir does that like a lot of noir literature does that and right. it's like it's like yeah it's like leave room and i i forgot how simple some of these songs are because conceptually they're so big and then i went back for this and i looked and i'm like holy shit it's like 12 words just like reassembled and you know different different combinations like yeah i i totally agree with all of that rob and it's awesome yeah it is <laughs> And now we get, all right, so we get the next one, Rollin the Headless Thompson Gunner, which is, uh, this is the one you were talking about. He wrote this in Spain when he was playing at this place called the uh, Dubliner. Yeah, the uh, Dubliner. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It was a bar owned by this mercenary, David uh, Lindell, and he wrote it with this guy. And it's basically just like a, a made-up tale. It's like a fictional story of this Norwegian uh, fighter pilot in the Congo war and he's assassinated, but his headless body continues to fight and it gets revenge on the man who blew his head off. So it's, kind of a like, stand, it's, it's kind of a genre, you know, it's a standard kind of, yeah, yeah, kind yeah, of yeah. Topic. Right. <laughs> uh, but, but, uh, just, uh, just a great song and kind of like, it's funny when he, when, you know, when he was dying of cancer and he was on a uh, David Letterman, uh, the last time and he did basically David Letterman did an episode where it was all Warren Zevon and he was again, you know, he talked to him and he played songs and he, and, uh, David Letterman requested that he end with this. He wasn't going to play this at all, but David Letterman, uh, requested it. And I'm thinking, God, that's a weird song to request. But then if you watch him doing it and you just listen to it, it is also uh, kind of touching. I don't know why. Cause it's just fucking like a weird bonkers uh song but uh he just ha he had a way about him of making these these weird concepts and everything sound very like sort of um like accessible kind of i don't know They're yeah just, yeah 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 like, and uh, uh, uh i feel like so many of these songs can be tender movies. yeah 
I, like so many songs could be movies, you know? Yes. Yeah, this one like, for like, sure. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. Very cinematic. All right. Let's listen to uh, this one. A warrior from the land of the midnight sun with a Thompson gun for hire, fighting to be done. The deal was made in Denmark on a dark and stormy day. So he set out for Biafra to join the bloody fray. Through 66 and 7, they fought the Congo. On their triggers, knee deep in gore. Days and nights they battled, the band to to their knees. They killed to earn their living and to help out the Congolese. Roland the Thompson Gunner. Yeah, so just really a, like a classic form type song. You know, this song, like telling this story. I love how he says knee deep in gore. Oh, yes. I love that. I love the yeah. way he says gore. You know, it's just yeah, like, whole, oh. that's such and a the other, the other one too is to, to join the bloody fray. <laughs> it's like, it's like almost like operatic and like cinematic, like you were saying, Danny, you know? Yeah, and and it's funny in in like reading in digging into it, uh, the song is not historically accurate because there was a war in uh, Biafra in '66, but Biafra is in Nigeria, not the Congo. And uh, and, and but it, also, I was thinking the thing I love about uh, punk rock is that I learned the only reason I'd even know what Biafra is is because of the Dead Kennedy singer yeah, Jello yeah. Biafra. <laughs> But it's also like, you know, this was written in a bar, you know, it wasn't written with like, like fucking some glasses on with the encyclopedias. Exactly. Open, you know I mean? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's funny. One quick thing. And it's funny. We keep going back to the punk thing. And I don't remember right now what his point was, which is whatever. But but I was reading a review. I think it was a Graham Marcus review of this record from 78. I think it might have been in the Village Voice or something. And he talks about what if Warren Zevon had sung for the Sex Pistols. And it's just like a really... really? Yeah, it's kind of a funny idea. So I don't know, man. The, he's got the punk thing happening. You know, he's got everyone it's, thinking. It's an punk. attitude. It, yeah. yeah, yeah, that's it. That's what it is. It's an attitude, and it's a sensibility. This, this like dark, you know, different, you know, counter where he's not. Where if if you weren't paying attention, you listen to this, you think, oh, these are just cool folk, almost like folk rock thing. You know, if you're not paying attention to actually what's going yeah. on. But and that's exactly like that's I think one of the points is like pay attention. You know what I mean? It's like I don't know. It's not it's not as in your face with like its politicalness as like Spanish bombs or something. But like right, right, you know, right it's right, still right. it's still like if you listen, and I think it's a theme that he's establishing for the record. It's like shit is not as always as it seems, and like don't trust governments. <laughs> You know, oh, right, right. Yeah, yeah. That, that, you're right. That's all in there, too. But it's not, it's totally with a light touch compared to someone, uh, some band like yeah. The Clash or something like that. Yeah, with a much lighter, you know, touch on everything. I love Spanish bombs. Just not, no, not, me not too. Throwing, of course. Not yeah, shade. Yeah, of course. <laughs> um, all right. So, Excitable Boy, this is perfect example of what we're talking about. Basically, a 
murder ballad, which which I love. You know, who doesn't love a good murder ballad? But it's also really lighthearted and jokey, and it's just got this little dark, you know, dark it's, ending. It's murder, murder pop. Yeah, 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 and and it's so great. It's it's, it's so great. It, it's a song that that shouldn't be. Uh, you know, uh, a radio hit, you say, you know, that shouldn't be, but it is. It was a single. I yeah, it was the yeah. first single, maybe. <laughs> so you know, good. it's funny, and it's, and it's like, that's the name of the album, and then the album is just like a full-on just picture of him, and you can't help but think, like, he's the excitable boy, and then it's like, well, you read the lyrics, and you're just yeah. like, holy moly. Yeah, you yeah, know? yeah. Like, <laughs> Did you hear this shit? Zivon? I read that, like, he said it, he was playing guitar, and he he's excitable, like, that was his personality, you know, I think in a lot of ways. And someone's like, yo, chill out, Warren, or whatever. And he's like, I'm just an excitable boy. Right, you know? right, right. <laughs> and the pot roast line, he actually did it. I can't remember if he did it before he wrote it or after, but he rubbed pot roast. Obviously, he didn't do a lot of the things that the protagonist does in this record, but it's like one of the more autobiographical tunes on the record, which makes it confounding in the in, in how far it goes. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's great, though. Uh, let's listen to a little bit of an excitable boy. swear to god i have a vivid memory of being a kid hearing that on the radio and i i had already heard it before i knew it but then when i paid when i said did he just say he raped her and killed her and then took her home and it's like it just fucked with my head so much you know it's funny going back to the going back to the going back to the punk you know it's when he now it just occurred to me it's like the image of someone rubbing pot roast all over the chest and he started thinking of iggy rubbing the peanut butter all over his chest yes yeah like here's the back to these punk <laughs> antics but it's um, more punk. Paros feels yeah, more. Yeah, Paros is yeah. Paros is whoa, man, what a mess. But like, but man, that, that that chorus and that's Linda Ronstadt, right? Singing Linda Ronstadt the, the, and uh, uh, Jennifer Warren. Right, but man, that the horn—it almost sounds like the SNL band. It's just like the grooviest. Those oohs and ahs like sound so good. The horn—it's like oh, you the, want to the dance. saxophone. It's yeah, it's so, horn. it's so good. Yeah, I, yeah, a, I thought you would bring it up first, but I mean, this this whole record has ripping bass lines, you know, and they're like right out front, you know. Yeah, it's like oh yeah, and they're moving yeah. around, and it's got like an R and B feel a lot of times. Like this is one of the standout kind of R and B kind of ones. But uh, there's different. a live version where he's like he's got the backing singers and 
he likes like going crazy like his panels like covered with shit and it's like yeah it, i bet it was fun to see the, him in this era because i don't think he had gotten too out of out of line yet with like his, right. <laughs> his shit yeah uh but yeah. but it's so good yeah the uh, the music like you could hear this this could have this would be a hit song i think even if it was totally different lyrics and it was just like regular just because the the bat like you were saying the backups and the horns are so good and they're so catchy such an earworm but yeah. uh it's just the lyrics just give it that that twist that just makes it you know like there's not uh, yeah there's 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 not that many other writers like that yeah, it's the kind of thing you can so. find yourself you find yourself singing along and you're like, wait, what am I singing exactly? Yeah, yeah, here? yeah. Which is great. But that's I love that's shit. kind yeah, of yeah. the subvert that's the subversion yeah. of it. When you find yourself singing along to it, you're like, hold on, wait. And like, am I complicit in what is being talked about now? And it makes you like he's kind of predating, I think, a lot of like stuff that's happening later in America and before, and just like thinking about like, yo, he's just an excitable boy. Like, hold on a second. I, I think I think we need to like be a little bit more. You know, oh my God! Yeah, I, I was thinking you that know? when you think about mental how we deal with mental health and everything like that. Yeah, it, and it, even like it's like, crazy. You know, not to get too woke, but like toxic masculinity, like all these things, because yeah. like it's like boys will be boys. It's kind of yeah, that exactly, kind of line, exactly. You know? I like, was thinking that same thing. Yeah, it's crazy. And if you push it too far, you got to be like, okay, hold on a second. You know, like yeah. you know, there is a line you can cross. But I want to say one more thing about this tune because I think just like Johnny strikes up the band where it goes from like that ripping guitar solo into like the, the drop down vocals thing. Like the arrangements on a lot of these songs are so dynamic and interesting. And part of, you know, part of another weird Zevon thing was like in between his flop record and like going to Spain, he's a musical, he's like the musical director for like the Everly brothers, like on their road show. Oh, yeah. It's just so that. random. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, yeah, which ties in, which ties into the next song, "Werewolves of London," because I, which was oh. his uh, biggest hit, obviously, uh, written when him and Wadi uh, Watchdog were working for the Everly Brothers. And they did you guys, the- <laughs> did you guys read originally? They had asked him; they wanted like some kind of dance song, like the the Werewolves of of London. They gave him that idea. And then the Everly Brothers gave them that title. They like did. They... they said, "Yeah, can oh, you? Yeah, great. they did." Make, that. And make then a dance craze. Make a dance craze. Him and Wadi <laughs> were messing around playing, and Wadi just went "Ow!" like that. And they said, "Oh yeah, let's do that." And it was totally like a a goof, kind of like a goof, you know. I would have loved to be a fly on the wall when they present that to the Everly Brothers. <laughs> you know? Yeah, and yeah. he came up with that line about a uh, uh, long Cheney with a Chinese uh, Chinese restaurant yeah. menu in his hand, and that just yeah. you know that's it. He had that line, and then okay, this is going to be the song. I mean, every every lyric, it's almost every lyric in the song. I want to see it like back to the movie, and just like the yes. imagery from like he had the, like his hair was perfect. I love to meet his tailor yep. sitting at a Chinese <laughs> restaurant. You know, it's just like. Whatever, we can talk about it some more after you play the play the play the clip. Yep. All right, let's listen to a little bit of everyone knows it. Werewolves of London.
kitchen door You better not let him in Little old lady got mutilated late last night Werewolves of London again All right, so real quick, before we get to anything else, we had, we had all mentioned that we didn't know that uh, Mick Fleetwood and... Uh, John McVie were playing on it, but it makes so much sense because I, I, I always, I mean, I'll, I'll always say what an underrated rhythm section they are, and Mick Fleetwood especially, what a fucking great drummer he is, and what an underrated drummer he is, because he just, he has this very subtle laid-back style that's like so good. Yeah, the, got he has the groove. simplest fills, the simplest fills that just sound so great. Like so he'll so do They're a like, fill with like his mouth open, he'll be like, you know, it's like slow-mo. <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> but but McVie too. I mean, like they just groove so well together, you know. Yeah. yeah. Was- back to the back to the lyrics. I mean, I think "Little Old Lady Got Mutilated Late Last Night" has to be one of the best. That's my favorite ever. Yes. <laughs> like, it is I guess just- he had a different. He had a different one, and then somebody was like, "Put the." He was like, "Little." I didn't have little. I think that didn't have little or something. Somebody added one line to give it that extra alliteration that just kind of like. Oh. It's perfect. It's just like, it's incredible. Yeah, it is. It's incredible. Yeah, like you said. And it's so, uh, and it's so simple. Like you said, Danny, but every, every line in here is great. Like there's not I want to see it. Like I want to see it on the screen. I want to see it like illustrated. I don't know. It's just like everything is, is so good. What's the name of the restaurant? Cause I was, I was reading somewhere that was like, there's like, it's like not an anagram, but it's like for like. It was a real restaurant though. They said it was a real restaurant. Uh, You can change. You could, somebody was like showing all the different ways it could be like. You, you who fucked who or like different like fuck oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but he's making all these weird fuck references like the hairy handed gentleman you know what i mean that's who like ran a muck that, and Ken, i don't know yeah who ran a muck, a muck like, yeah it's so good i don't even know what to make of this song but it, it just does sound kind of like a fuck you to the gentry you know like that's part of it for sure like a fuck you to like aristocrats you know oh right like, right which i think is kind of like a subtle theme that goes through totally a lot of his stuff yeah but I think it's kind of like a, somebody who's been who's felt like, you know, I think everybody wants to be validated unless you're like Lou Reed, you know, and then you don't you really don't give a fuck. And right. that's fucking awesome. But like, I imagine a guy who got beat down so much. He's like, I'm not going to give you what you want. Like, fuck you. I'm going to do it my way because I tried to do it your way. and It didn't work. So I'm doing it my way. And I'm, but, but I'm, I'm going to be pissed off at you, the establishment forever, because, you know, because fuck you, you know. <laughs> Um, also real quick, I don't know. Did you guys read? I read something really funny. I, when he played this live a lot, he sometimes replaced the line. I'd like to meet his tailor with, and he's looking for James Taylor. (laughs) I guess that was another, like a big, a big, uh, advocate and plays on a lot of the later records. I don't know if he plays on this one, but another guy who was out, (laughs) out out there, like preaching the gospel of Zevon. Did you see it, Rob? What is, there's a group, there's like a vocal group credited in here, like the Southern the Southern boys or the, the gentleman boys or something. It's like JD Souther, Jackson Brown. It was like the vocal, the male oh, right, vocal. Right, 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 right. Gentlemen boys. They call themselves. Yes. Yeah. They call it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> let me see the uh, gentleman boys. That's it. Exactly. Jackson Brown, uh, George Calderon, Kenny Edwards, JD Souther and uh, Wadi. Yep. <laughs> and I think, I think George Calderon or Jorge Calderon, like he's, he's Puerto Rican, but I think a lot of, like he co-wrote a lot of these with him. He he's did, the yeah, yeah. Spanish, and, and, but nighttime and, and in the switching ward, uh, and was in the mix to the end. But but was he Zivon? I don't know. D like it just seems like he had this like fascination with Latin culture. I don't know. Like oh yeah, from the, from yeah, the jump for like, sure. Carmelita to the end. It's just kind of it's kind of funny. I don't know. He could have been a, he could have been a Juban, you know. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, all right, so we get the next one. Accidentally, like a martyr. Again, like I was saying, he's a master of saying a lot with very little words. Because uh, this song in particular, like listen to it. Some of these songs I'm thinking, oh, you know what? I could hear it being Elton John, like an Elton John song, but it would have a lot more lyrics because uh, Bernie Taupin, you know, not that I'm saying anything against Elton John. I, I, I love Elton John and Bernie Taupin, but it would just have a lot more lyrics in there if it was. <laughs> all right, let's just do a little bit of Accidentally like a mark. The phone don't ring. No, no. And the sun refused to shine. Never thought I'd have to pay so dearly for what was already mine. For such a long, long time. Like a martyr The hurt gets worse And the heart gets harder We made mad love Shadow love Random love Abandoned love Accidentally Like a martyr The hurt gets worse, hurt gets worse And the heart gets harder, harder. Oh man and it's a, that's a great, I think one of the better vocal performances. I mean, he's really like singing on this one. It's like, he's yeah. really doing it. It feels more autobiographical because it feels more intimate, you know, yeah, the vocal performance. This one hit me because like, whatever, without too much autobiographical of my own, but I'm kind of trying to get back together with my girlfriend and I, and listen, this one really hit me because it's just ah. like, it's kind of like, it's about, you know, I think it's about complicated relationships, looking back on them and like, and I was, you have to kind of think for a second. It's a weird title where you're like, yes. what does that mean? What does that mean exactly? Yes. And then you're like, aren't all martyrs like not accidental? And then like, which martyrs are accidental? It's like the real martyrs, right? Like, I don't know. It's like, it's just like a weird, it's such a weird pairing of words. And it makes you kind of like, what is he trying to say there? And it's kind of like, for me, what I took away in my present moment, because it just reflected so deeply, it resonated with me in my current state. I was just like, you know, you kind of sometimes you go into a, a relationship with good intentions. You don't want to hurt anybody. You don't want to get hurt. And then it kind of happens accidentally, you know. Yeah. See, that's great. See, that's exactly what I was talking about before, because he his songs have a way where they leave. He leaves so much space to insert your own perspective and your own experience in there. You know, he's not spelling it all out for you. I don't know exactly. No. I, yeah, I don't know what he was trying to say with that too. And he might have just thought it sounded cool accidentally. Like it does sound cool. I put it in there, and it <laughs> does sound cool. But it it it's great that it, like you said, it's sort of the song gives you this mood, and you insert uh, you know whatever it is that you're feeling in there. There's like a Dylan-esque type of thing oh, to yeah. the title. Oh yeah, yeah, oh, right, yeah. for sure. And I don't, I don't think it's this song. It might be the next one, but there's a lyric "time out of mind" in there, and I was like. Did Dylan, I know Dylan was a fan and he, I think he would play Carmelita sometimes live, but oh, like wow. he showed up in the studio one time, but it was like, did he, he wouldn't, he wouldn't rip it from Dylan. I don't think like Dylan was too, it's too much of a Don to rip from a contemporary. So I looked it up and it's like, it's Latin, you know, it's a oh, Latin okay. shit for, that, that has to do with like, not like, it has to do with like not understanding, not having the, the, the capacity or the, or the access 
to to the past to history right you know right, right, so right. it's like at that that time is out of your mind you know in latin yep all right so nighttime in the switching yard this oh, it's not it's not it's not on this one <laughs> no <laughs> um yeah but this is kind of an outlier like we said on the uh there's no story to it and it basically definitely borrows from the late 70s uh, disco uh trend that was going on at the time but something interesting uh, we'll listen to it but this is another song we did a couple of episodes back we did a band burning airlines and they had a song called uh, Pacific 231, which is based on an orchestra work by uh, Arthur Honegger, who wrote this thing um, in 1923, Pacific 231. And it's basically uh, a musical interpretation of a train. And I was thinking, there's so many songs. That's such like a song thing that came after that. Uh, and this is another in a long line of songs that sort of does this thing where the music, they're sort of using this train as a metaphor for the uh, the the feel of the song. And, and that's what he's doing here i think too yeah is this another well we could talk about it we play it and then we'll can okay. get into it nighttime in the switching yard reference to a uh, shakedown street a great call great call because yeah that's, yeah that uh, guitar is super shakedown street Is this another? Is this another drug song? I mean, I, you can't help but think when you hear it's, main line. It's so, I was it's wondering so that. Cocaine, I was wondering that. Like, late seventies cocaine, but the main line is is something else usually. But you yep. can yeah. you can shoot cocaine. I mean, it's not recommended, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I like that what Never you were saying. Um, no, it's like yeah. <laughs> I like what you were saying. Like it's almost like the literary device would be like an onomatopoeia. You know, like something that sounds like what it is. You yeah. know. And like the switching, like you can kind of hear, because I, I, I kind of like flogged this one off and now I'm like realizing, oh damn, this is like a tasty groove, you know? Yeah, like, right, right. He was going to yeah. leave Werewolves off, I guess at some point I read somewhere. Oh, he Jesus. wanted to take Werewolves off of this record. He hated Werewolves. And I and, I, and he just like, I, I never heard any mention of of this, like not making the cut. Like, this was <laughs> yeah, <only>. That's funny. <laughs> you know, I, I occasionally, you know, DJ and play records out and stuff. And if I'm playing records, and this one happens to be in my bin. This song gets played. Really? Yeah, yeah. It's like a groovy. 
yeah, yeah. It's kind of a, yeah. That's you know, that's I can see it's yeah. It can get people dancing. Deep I mean, cut. Will, Danny I, with I, the uh, with the deep Zevon cut. The deep cut. <laughs> I, I werewolves will get people moving too and grooving, but yeah, that's, yeah, that, for sure. that's that's actually cool. Yeah, to yeah, DJ this I one, I like it. I like it. All right, so like you said, he did have a preoccupation with uh with a Hispanic. This is the uh, Veracruz. Uh, it it I guess it's from the point of view of uh Mexico, someone in Mexico, and basically uh, it's the U.S. Uh, occupation of Veracruz under Woodrow Wilson, which I don't know. I'm not that good with my history and stuff, so I really don't know much about it. But that's the, you know, that's cool. I I love listening to songs and digging in when people, uh, you know, sort of go over things like that. I heard Woodrow Wilson guns I heard Maria cry late last night I heard the news that Vera Cruz was dying Vera Cruz was dying just in mexico yeah, funny. Right? i was i was with my hopeful hopefully uh future girlfriend uh past <laughs> but her name's maria and we were listening to this album a couple times as we were driving like when i could tell she didn't want to she wanted to just zone out and there's like we were near like monterey so we were driving in the mountains but she heard her name a couple times you know and she's like is he saying maria you know and i was like yeah yeah and like she's like what's this song about and i was like I honestly have no idea, but it's something <laughs> yeah. it's something with the Mexican-American War, the Mexican War for Independence. And I was like, don't worry, because I was like, we're in this city that was kind of uh, insulated from the conquistadors because of the mountains. Like they got to this to Monterey like late because they couldn't access it as well. But I mean, it it it's it wants you to, to think about colonialism and like, yes, the yes, right. Of it on the other side, you know, like I'm not sure exactly how I was still. This is like, I think one of the more impenetrable songs because I, I don't like you. I'm not like super tight on my history, you know, but it makes me <laughs> right. want to like, it makes me want to like dig in and learn more. But I'm like, I'm like, is he mixing wars here when I started like researching? And he it's is. Like, I think he is because yeah. at, at the end he references the Zapatistas and uh, right. led by uh, left wing revolutionary Emiliano Zapata. So yeah, right. I think he just sort of also just sort of, this is obviously something that, interested in him and uh and that he he wanted to sing about and i think a, a broader sense he's just sort of anti uh you know u.s uh, colonialism and and he's Imperialism. sort of he's yeah revisited that uh, other times in his song it's a cool tune and, he, and you get some spanish in there too and yeah, yeah when i was listening to it on my spotify it was kind of funny because they give you the translation like next to it but that's jorge called their own singing there in the later part of that song right. oh nice nice and no, no, no. I was, just, I was just thinking, like, how many people die on this album? Oh, right. <laughs> you know, that old—I don't know—that old lady might have pulled through. You know, like, I was about to know. Mutilated? I don't. She, she, she was mutilated. I don't think so. Was, yeah. <laughs> 
Uh, that's good. That's good, Danny. That's funny. That's a good point. You got to count them up. A lot of death on this little, very yeah. uh, puppy, you know, sprightly sounding record. And that'd no, be it's like, like a hot. Minutes. That'd be like a hot Zivon trivia. Zivon trivia. You know, Zivon trivia night. Like, how many people yeah. die on Excitable Boy? <laughs> well, I will say, thank God, no. There's no death in this next one. Uh, tenderness on the block. It's very. I don't. I think this is the one song. I don't think there's irony if there is it's buried that i can't hear it because to me it really does sound like a really sweet song that seems to be about exactly what it says it's about well i the irony might be that like yeah i mean i i don't have any kids but like the, that that anxiety of, of your kids growing older and going out there into the world but like where you think the tenderness is going to be is at home and he's saying it's it's on the block you know well <laughs> I have daughters. As the father of two daughters, it, this uh, this is, hits me a little close. So I'm gonna we'll talk about it a little bit. Let's listen to a little bit of tenderness on the block. Mama, where's your pretty little girl tonight? Trying to run before she can walk. That's right. She's going up. As a young man waiting She's growing up She has a young man waiting Wide eyes, she'll be streetwise To the last and the jive talk But she'll find true Tenderness on the block Daddy, don't you ask her when she's coming in And when she's home, don't ask her where she's been She's going out She has a young man waiting Okay as I said, I have two girls. Uh, this is the one problem I have. A, I have a little problem with it. Daddy, don't you ask her when she's coming in, and when she's home, don't ask where she's been. No, I'm sorry. I'm going to ask when she's coming in. And I'm going to ask where she's been. I'm sorry. Yeah. Like who's speaking? Yeah, who's speaking in this song? Is it the is it the guy on the block, or is, is it the dad? You know what I mean? Right. I don't know because yeah, or is it the guy himself, the suitor, sort of singing ab- about his, uh, right. you know. Uh, uh, you know, whatever the uh, the dad of the girl. Yeah, yeah, th- that's kind of interesting. Yeah. Does Zemon have a daughter? I think he had twi- He had twi- like a, I want to say like his oldest. Is, there's Jordan, who's like his oldest son. I think he had twins like right before he died. I don't know if they're boys or girls, but I remember reading. I'm saying, that, like, that, I'm saying around the time he wrote this, would he have had a daughter? I don't, I don't think so. No, I don't think so. No. So I yeah, I think I don't think he's the dad in the song. Right. Sure. I, I don't think so either. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it's his I think it's maybe this is my take. It's like his way of saying like, you know, I'll take care I'll take care of him. Don't worry like, you know, I won't I won't treat him badly, but you can't always believe that, you know. Right. Maybe he's the one. Maybe he's the one that was trying to holler at the girl. Right, 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 right. I right, think right. so. I think so. That's what I was yeah, that's what I was thinking probably too. And he's sort of But it's oh, not the most tender saying, song. No. It's not the most tender song on the record, but it's the only one that has tender in the in the title. Right, yeah. right, right. Which is ironic there. So maybe there's a little bit of irony that I said there wasn't any. Maybe there is a little bit. <laughs> it kind of reminds not... me of uh, Big Star yeah. 13. Yes. Where, you know, he's like, like, uh, like 
tell your dad get off our back kind of <laughs> kind of vibe. Yep. Oh, totally. and you know what? I, one thing I wanted to mention. Some rock and roll shit. Yeah. Uh, before we get to the last song, I because I because I kept thinking, who, you know, was there any other writer like him? The only other uh, singer songwriter who I really like too that I that I sort of can see a little similarity to. Are you guys a fan of Randy Newman at all? Of course. Yeah. All yeah. Right. I don't go so deep, but yeah. I see a but little. Not, but, uh, that's the one similarity I see because Randy Newman also very, you know, uh, not known for his singing, but known for his songs, and very also had a really kind of a dark sense of humor and rise. So that that's sort of the similarities. I think you. I think satire is like one of the hardest things to do in song because you really have to balance a lot of things, and if you if you go too far or if like the ingredients aren't just correct in the balance, it can flop. It can like. It can make you look like a piece of shit. It can do a lot of things because people, you know, they, right. they equate you as the as the speaker. Oh, it's true. Yes, yes. Zivon, Zivon's writing from other people's perspectives, like almost like more than he's ever. Than he's like you just picture it's somebody else talking, and right. he's just kind of writing it as a writer would. But with satire, you can you can get really you can get into some really choppy waters. Especially, we say like this. I don't think this album would like soar today because you know there's a lot of punk punk folks who are like i think it's like um this is y'all's world more than mine but who's who's the misfit singer um danzig and danzig danzig's like yo i couldn't make my music today like i couldn't make it today yeah well that's true <laughs> <laughs> i was i don't know i still listen to it i still love it so, but i love yeah oh, randy newman <laughs> like short people you know or something like that like, yes you know so. harry nielsen harry nielsen is another one that comes to mind that's pretty oh, like yeah okay okay right you know doesn't i feel like harry nielsen maybe sounds maybe more like zivon or there's maybe more similarities but nielsen has that sort of humor and also also yeah. the vampiric kind of like the horror dark side yeah. vampire thing you know <laughs> yeah. all right so we get to the final track on the record lawyer's gun and money Woo! just before we play it real quick did you guys zivon told the story about the song which it sounds too good to be true like too convenient Yo, to well i got i got danny, a, danny i don't know if you want to share it but i heard about the origin of the story danny told the mega story yeah yeah me. i could i could share it i could share it after this after we listen but um i actually spoke to my friend on the phone yesterday telling him that i was gonna do this thing um just to get a little refresher but i mean it might be what you read but i could just like whatever we'll listen and then we'll we'll compare okay, nice all right good i want to hear it all right lawyers guns and money
So great. Such a great song. All right, Danny, let's hear Such it. Such a great song. I was going to say one other thing. Actually, me and Nick, Nick, wasn't it one of the songs that we talked about maybe covering? Did we talk about, I don't know, maybe. Yeah, but um, sure. this, yeah, this, we this, did. this did have me playing a sloppy version of it all night on my guitar last night. After nice, listening. nice, I was, nice. I should, I should learn this. Yeah, I was playing this a bit last night. But um, so, yeah, I kind of heard it kind of from the source. So my friend Jonas, Jonas Stein from Nashville, he played, you know, he played in Turbo Fruits and plays in, be your own pet um amongst other bands and stuff but um his dad Bertstein, was the head of radio promotion for asylum and he would tour with zivon um and you know you know on tour and then he'd hit the radio station and get them to play it or whatever whatever yeah and then they kind of struck up like a really tight friendship and then around this time i guess zivon was kind of having his his struggles with with uh with drinking and stuff and the label said, hey, Bert, why don't you and Zivon take a week off, go to Hawaii, which also sounds kind of funny, like, hey, go dry up or go mellow out in Hawaii, you know, but they're like, yeah, take them to Hawaii. You guys can like just chill, kind of, you know, see if you can kind of like mellow him on the, on the drinking a bit. Right. So I think Zivon wasn't really like leaving his hotel room much or something like that. And then he finds like kind of drags him out to go get dinner or something. Naturally, they end up at a bar. Or maybe it's the same restaurant or something. They're drinking. He meets the cocktail waitress, and they, the three of them kind of just like hit it off. And she invites him back to her house that's like in the mountains. And they're like, "Yeah, that sounds like a great idea." And then like as on when they're on their way, as they're like kind of approaching the house, she's like, "Okay, wait. I think I think it's this one. Hold on, you know." And then they quickly realize that it's like it's not her house. Oh. That it's like a house she like just like knows of, and she's like, "Oh yeah, my friend." He's not here, but I, I don't think he'll mind if we stay here. Uh-oh. So she had to like break into the house. So while this is like about to happen, Bert, you know, Jonas's father is like, hey, I don't think this is a great idea. Like we should, <laughs> we should really get out of here, you know? So, so they turn around, they go back to the bar where they were at. And now they're like, okay, they're safe. It's over. They're chilling. And, and Bert tells him, man, you know, like I could see it now, you know, us writing like a telegram to the label asking them for lawyers and guns. Oh, and apparently he was like, no, lawyers, guns, and money, you know? Nice. And, they, and, and they started cracking up. And he says that Zivon, at that, like that very moment, grabbed napkins or whatever was like in front of him and wrote the song out pretty much. And awesome. he has, and like, and uh, my friend's dad has those, those handwritten lyrics like framed at their house. And like, he's like, he's like, man, they used to be up on the wall but the sun was fading them. So like he, he kind of just like locked them away and like only takes them out occasionally. Ah, uh, that's great. Amazing. But yeah, that's, that's the story. And I think he also has, he's telling me like the, you know, on the LP, the photograph of like the gun resting on the plate of food. Right. He wasn't sure if, if it was like, if it was like a promo thing that they just made a few of, or if it was the actual one that they used to photograph. But he says it's like, it might be plastic. I don't know, but it's like he has at, at well, his family's house, they have the gun on the plate of food, but like in plastic, like encased in like oh, a in like a clear box. And he's like, man, I remember playing with that thing as a kid. And it was like one piece, like one bean or whatever. I got it loose and would like rattle around the, the box, you know? Um, wow. But yeah, that's, crazy. That's great. That's amazing. Yeah. What a great story. That's awesome. And yeah, w- yeah. once again, he's giving you these little snippets of a narrative that just draws you in and makes you like Danny, like you said, you want to see the, the movie of the whole thing. Oh, you want to know movie. the whole oh, thing, God. right? Cause totally. it's like, Oh, now we're in Havana and we're gambling. And like, I just love the dad, you know, like 
dad, get me like, and you, and dad could be so many different things. Like dad right. could be America sardonically, like, Oh, like, you know, help Cuba out or whatever. And like super ironically and like, yes, or it could okay. be the label or it could or, be the label. Be the right, label. right, 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 right. Or it could be fucking, you know, it could just be like some trust fund kid who goes to some like exotic country on some like, you know, like fetishizing, you know, like Latin America, or whatever, and gets himself into some real trouble, you know, That's, like, yeah. And then he just yells. I love that. Yell. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's great. <laughs> It's so great. And yeah, we didn't talk about his singing so much, but I love, uh, you know, he writes really good melodies, these really great catchy melodies. So it's like, you don't even think about that. It's him singing. Obviously he doesn't have this like great operatic voice, like the, you know, like these other uh, singers, but he's not like, uh, he's more melodic than like Lou Reed or Randy Newman or someone like that. But, you know, it is what it is, but it definitely adds a a certain quality to his songs. You know, he's got a rough voice. He's got a rough voice, but it sounds it sounds weathered. And so it like it fits the subject matter of the tunes. And when I hear covers of Zevon, sometimes they're great. Like, I mean, I think Linda Ronstadt's one of the best singers of all time. So she she like infuses beauty and like anything she does. Yes. But I always thought it was kind of cool. Like he had enough confidence and swagger where like, I think he he was comfortable enough of his voice to really sell these performances on the record. And imagine you got Linda Ronstadt in the other room singing backup vocals, yes, you know, one of the greatest right. singers in the world. So you got to feel like pretty confident in what you're doing, even if you know you don't have this like classically beautiful oh, yeah. voice. Well, once again, you, you Danny, got something what else. is it? It's a punk rock. It's... <laughs> yeah, it's punk rock, man. No, I think, it's maybe, I think it, maybe it's easier to sell because it's it's like that voice there. I don't mean sell as in like actual selling records. I just mean like the story. Yeah, it's like yeah, yeah. sell the performance. Yeah. Yeah, I, but, um, I was gambling in Havana. You believe him, you know? I'm like, all right, this guy would do that, right. you know? Yeah. I took a little yeah. risk. You know, it's like ironic, you know? I took a little risk. <laughs> you know, it's like, you know, songwriters always talk about like, I mean, I guess everyone has a different way of doing it, but sometimes the songs just kind of appear and it's like, okay, now you got to like, you got to kind of like catch it before it goes away. But if there's ever been like a title that just like kind of ap- appears and you're like, that's something, I mean, Lawyers, Guns and Money is just like, that is just perfect. Like perfect. he was, yeah, it is. Yeah. It's, He's you like, don't want I to take anything away from right the craft, now. but, but you have to put yourself, this is what I think about with something like that. Like you got to put yourself in that dicey scenario where yeah. like lawyers, guns and money comes out and yeah. then it like writes itself. But like, you know, the craft is sometimes kind of taking a little risk, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah you gotta let it in. You know, you gotta allow it to, yep. Uh, so great though such a great record like i said a a kind of a perfect like a near perfect record that's a it's a classic and uh yeah i'm glad you guys brought it uh this was great as usual all right so real quick danny what's going on with the jacuzzi boy actually we were going to do this tomorrow but jacuzzi boy you guys are what are you guys doing tomorrow yeah we're finishing up um a video we have a new song we recorded like i don't know like a month ago or something but we hadn't done a video in so long and then we kind of had this uh opportunity to work with some friends and it seemed that like cool it's like oh man this song is kind of like a perfect song for like a video with this like idea that that we all had so we're kind of just waiting to finish this video to release a song we're shooting like a, there's like a the last little bit that needs to be shot is like we're shooting it at a at a theater and like you know the, oh you know the what's the name of the theater in hollywood your old your old stomping grounds. oh uh, it used to be uh, a cinema paradiso from, oh yeah the one the little theater right on the strip cinema you know paradiso yeah okay yeah nice um, we're going to use the marquee there for something. And I think, uh, yeah, I'm not sure. We're kind of like not in these scenes. 
but I'm kind of just going. Uh, <laughs> oh, okay. We shot, we shot our, we shot our stuff already, but they're finishing it up, and and yeah, I kind of want to be there it's, for that. But then it's Dalezine who's doing it. It's Dale, yeah, our friends Dalezine. They run like a cool, like a little art art bookstore in town, and they publish zines and stuff. Um, but they're the ones directing. So yeah, that's that's been the latest. But yeah, you know, we the band put out some some new music this year. We had it in quite some time. We did some touring. And uh, we have a bunch of other stuff that we kind of got to get around to record, but but um, <laughs> as, of right, as of right now, this is the one song we've been, yeah, we, we finished it a little while ago. We're just kind of waiting to finish this this video up to get it all all out together. All right, awesome. Well, that's exciting. I always love uh, when get excited when new Jacuzzi Boys is coming out. One of my favorite, one of my all time favorite Miami bands. Yeah, thank you. Uh, all right, and uh, Nick uh, Nick Mencia, Nick County, what's what's going on with you? You're, I'm sure there's all sorts of shit going. on. I know right? we're on video, and like, and this is going to be audio, so this won't. But you know, D, I've been wor- I'm wondering the whole hour, like, are you wearing a Havana Club t- uh, hat or what is that hat? Oh no, Caribbean Club. Oh, that's right, yeah. dude. <laughs> <laughs> um, I figured- you know, the spirit That's of tight. Z-Bond, I figured I'd, I'd, rep, I'd rep a bar. Yeah, 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 rep a bar. It's vaguely Latin, vaguely Latin. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm, I've been working on this song cycle with my friend Mike, like, yeah, trying to figure out personnel. I made, the last record I made is like, I, I hate to say Latin, it, it was just kind of like pan-Latin, like Norteño, Cumbia, different vibes, but different from my like kind of typical roots rock, au revoir, whatever. And I've just been like kind of meditating on... I think the state of America, which I don't know, it just feels like there's this economic squeeze on for me and a lot of people I know. Oh, yeah. And it's kind of taken me back to some of the roots of folk that I loved and thinking about what folk music is, you know, like I think I thought about it in like a Latin context and there's folk music all over Latin America and being in Mexico, like feeling that when I saw music everywhere. But um, thinking of it in an American context and listening to a lot of Woody Guthrie and his first his first record, which I don't know if you've ever heard, but it's the ballads of Sacco and Vanzetti, these two Italian immigrants who are trying to set up a union um, or, or set up a union in New York. And then they framed them for this murder and killed them. And he tells the story in like vivid detail through an album. And and it's just like you feel like for me right now, like folk music is like caring about people and like shining a light where like it's not being shown. So we're kind of using that as a, as a backdrop to write. I think for the first time, I'm, I'm like really with my friend Mike, like really writing like straight up folk songs and then we're gonna like fuck them up somehow sonically but right right but right they, but they feel very topical as you and do no that's good i'm yeah. glad I, you know we need that we need that more than ever now so i'm glad you you guys are yeah. keeping the flame going i'm too old too tired to do any of this shit now but i'm glad <laughs> you guys are uh, doing that but zivon did it you know like zivon did it in his own way you know like and i i think that was one of the many reasons uh, to celebrate this record and uh and, it, it, you know, he found a way to do it in his own way. And I'm trying to find that right now. Like, do it in a way that's not, you know, derivative or whatever. Awesome. Um, awesome. All right. But keep well, Rob, flame. Rob, yeah. what's up with you? Are you, are you? Is there no music in your, in your no, life these there's days? There's no music. Nothing. Nothing. <laughs> just, uh, <laughs> just a pop. This is my, this is my outlet, Danny. My, my music podcast. I edit the episode. That's, that's creative. That's all the. Oh, and you got to get that. You got to get that. I see the telly hanging behind you. You got to yeah. get that telly back in action, man. I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, I don't think so. Uh, but anyway, I appreciate that. Uh, don't forget, everyone, if you want to follow the show on Instagram and Facebook, it's at that record got me high. On X, formerly known as Twitter, it's at TRGMH Podcast. You can email me at TRGMH33 at gmail.com. Most importantly, if you want to become a patron of the show, like so many patrons, I really I appreciate my patrons so much. You guys are awesome. You can go to patreon.com forward slash TRGMH, become a patron of the show. It's very expensive here in Los Angeles. I could uh, really, uh, I'd appreciate it. <laughs> Thanks again. 
Uh, Danny and Nick, it was awesome having you guys. Thanks for having us, Rob. We'll do it again. It was a blast. Yeah, we'll do it again sometime. All right. Until next week, I'm Rob Elba. We're out of here. to have to roam anymore.